Let's pray. Father, teach us those things which would hinder us from listening to and learning from Christ. Help us to see them in our own hearts and to turn away from them, to put them off. And so that we might be among those who are exalted when you come to set the places at the wedding feast. Amen. Well, this is the last in our series of Lent sermons, which kind of loosely... Uh, answers to the question, what do you need to give up for Lent? And perhaps not just for Lent, but actually forever. And this is a sermon about self-regard and humility. Now, we all want to feel like we matter, like we are somebody, that we have something valuable to give, to offer, to share, to be. Nobody likes being picked last when the teams are being picked in the schoolyard. Nobody likes getting the bottom mark in the test or not getting an interview when you're going for the job. No one likes not being invited to the party. We feel when these things happen like perhaps we don't matter. Sometimes when that is a threat, the threat of do. Do we matter? Are we anything or anyone? We can be very fragile about it. You know, we can need a lot of people to keep affirming it, perhaps. Or we can be so insecure we never admit that we're wrong about anything at all. Or sometimes we might be quite the opposite. Totally convinced that we do matter. (laughs) And matter quite a bit, actually. And of course we're right, and of course we belong, and we belong at the top, at the front. Or sometimes we might be kind of in between, not sure if we matter or not, but kind of faking it in the hope of making it. If I pretend to be right and stick to my guns, maybe people will buy it. Maybe I will be right. If I walk in like I own the place and sit at the front, then, you know, everyone perhaps will think I belong, and I will belong. In today's passage, we are at a lunch, a lunch in the house of a leading Pharisee, and people there, like everywhere, want to feel like they matter, like they are someone. And some there are perhaps filled with self-regard, actually, convinced that they do matter. Perhaps others are kind of nervously faking it, hoping not to lose face, hoping to pull it off. But Jesus here shows, in the end, that Self-regard, excessive self-regard or self-concern stops you from listening to and learning from him. It's a hindrance. It's a bad thing. And he also shows that self-regard, excessive self-concern, will get you humbled by God. Let's start with firstly, self-regard stops you learning the truth from Jesus. Verse 1, one Sabbath when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. And there in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Now the Pharisees, Jesus in a Pharisee's house, uh, were a Jewish movement that was concerned with living carefully and consistently and purely according to the Old Testament law. And this movement, the Pharisees, was in some ways very close to Jesus, but in other ways clashed with Jesus, as we often see in the Gospels. 
And one matter of dispute between them was what it meant to keep the Sabbath, the day of rest where no work could be done. Now, Jesus had no problem with healing people on the Sabbath. Uh, He had healed a woman even as he taught in a synagogue on the Sabbath. And you can read about that in Luke 13. It forms the background to today's story. Uh, At that time when Jesus healed a woman in the synagogue on the Sabbath day, some felt that this was work that shouldn't be done on the Sabbath, but should be done rather on the six days that were set aside for work. And the synagogue ruler, in verse 14 of chapter 13 of Luke, says, look, there are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days to be cured, not on the Sabbath. Jesus called that man a hypocrite. And the crowd actually rejoiced at it. And so when Jesus is being carefully watched at this home of a Pharisee where there's a sick man present, you know, people are wondering, is this going to turn into a similar incident? And in fact, it does. Jesus puts the issue squarely on the table. In verse 3, Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Jesus effectively says, let's talk about this. We have this disagreement. And Sabbath lunch, it's a great time for theological discussion, and I'm up for it. Let's see if we can crack this nut. But, we read, they remained silent. They did not want to be the ones to lose an argument with Jesus. They had too much self-regard, or too much self-concern for their reputations to wish to end up either being called a hypocrite to the delight of the crowds or to be proved to be in the wrong to lose the argument and so their self-regard kept them from even opening the topic with Jesus they just were not open to hear what he had to say or to enter into this with him Jesus then just acts so taking hold of the man Jesus healed him and sent him on his way. Jesus acts according to his conviction that healing is fine on the Sabbath. But he doesn't want to leave it there, and he presses his opponents. He says in verse 5, he asks them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say, we read this time. Jesus points out, that the Sabbath command is not absolute. The Sabbath points to the rest that is to come. God is bringing the world to a place of rest. There is a goal of history, of creation and redemption. But the Sabbath day is a sign of that rest, not the reality of it. We live in the world where... Deliverance, where rescue is still needed and sometimes urgently needed when people fall into wells. And so if life is threatened on the Sabbath, let it be saved on the Sabbath, even if that requires some work. Even the strictest rabbis allowed that oxen stuck in wells on the Sabbath could at least be fed, even if they were to be lifted out. Now, when Jesus raises this further, it's not that Jesus' opponents won't speak, it's rather that they can't speak. They had nothing to say. 
Their self-regard mean, meant that they could not abide to have Jesus prove them wrong and they refused to listen to or learn from him. And this despite the fact that he's just demonstrated his power to heal with a word right in front of them. These are prophetic credentials. These say God is with this man and yet they will not speak with him. They will not hear him. They will not engage with him. They have nothing to say. Their self-regard, their self-concern has closed them off from learning from Christ. And this, this can happen. Jesus, Jesus does not always respect and play gently with perhaps our self-regard, our self-concern. He asks us to set that aside and to be willing to be challenged and to change your mind. And if you're unwilling to do that, Jesus cannot help you. That's the first point. Self-regard and self-concern can close you off to learning from Christ. (coughs) Secondly, self-regard will get you humbled by God. Self-regarding people feel entitled to the best places. And it seems like Jesus felt that there were, in fact, self-regarding people at this lunch. And they were taking the best places. And so he... He noticed the guests picked for themselves the places of honour at the table and he tells a parable. And we could read this parable just as a piece of social advice. You know, hey, let me tell you people, if you strut in and sit at the front, you risk being humiliated when the real VIP arrives and you get sent to the back while everyone watches. It could just be a, here's the way not to get humiliated. But I think that this is a parable from Jesus' lips and it's about the kingdom of God. So the wedding feast is the heavenly banquet, the true Sabbath rest, the goal to which God is bringing all things. The host is God, or his Messiah, who is the one who is the true judge of who belongs where at this feast. The invited guests are human beings, objects of God's kindness and grace. And in God's kingdom, the truth will out. If you fancy yourself to deserve a certain place in God's kingdom that is above others, a place that's more distinguished than the one that God has for you, then a humbling awaits you. The host who invited you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you'll have to take the least important place. But... Instead of being self-regarding and concerned for our own reputation and appearance and honour, if we are humble, honouring others, rather than claiming honour for ourselves, then something quite different awaits us, an exaltation. When you're invited, take the lowest place, says Jesus, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you'll be honoured in the presence of all the other guests. And so let God be the one to seat you at the table. Don't try to get the place of honour by claiming it for yourself. Some notes, perhaps, on living this out. Just some thoughts. You may have your own as well. Firstly, taking the lowest place at God's wedding feast means... To live humbly now. 
It means whatever room you walk into now, today, in this world, in this life, that you don't jockey for position, thinking, how can I get closer to the centre, closer to the top, closer to the front? How can I be seen as important as mattering? Instead, take the position that falls to you. Talk to the first person you meet or talk to the people who seem most to need it. Don't think, how good can I seem? Think, what good can I do? Taking the lowest place at the wedding feast means living humbly now. Secondly, watch out for self-regarding humility. There is such a thing, I think we all know. There's a pseudo, a fake humility that can become in its own way a kind of picking a place of honour for yourself. The mentality is, because I am so humble, look at me, how humble I am, others should praise me, God included. Or because I am so humble, I rarely get what I deserve. And so maybe you should give it to me now. It's a perverse kind of humility. And if you've read Charles Dickens' book, David Copperfield, you may know the character Uriah Heep, who is the epitome of this kind of self-regarding humility. It's, it's a fake humility. And we should not trust it in ourselves especially. Watch out for self-regarding humility. Thirdly and lastly, trust to the host to set things in order when he comes. For now, life may seem to be all pushing and shoving, you know, people walking in and taking the positions they like. In life, as we see it now, those who put themselves forward, who back themselves, who take what they want, and never apologise, they might seem to go pretty well. They get the places of honour and they enjoy them for the moment. But the host of the occasion is not here yet. He's coming. When he arrives, he will look at everyone. And he will look at where they're sitting and he will sort it out. And when things get going properly, you know, once these preliminary times are over and the new creation kicks off, the true Sabbath rest arrives, the feast really begins at the heavenly banquet, then everyone will be at their correct places. Verse 11, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So trust to the host to set things in order when he comes. And don't feel like, I must, I must find my place. I must make things right now. So, don't let self-regard or excessive self-concern close your mind and your heart to Jesus. Be humble enough to learn from him, to be corrected by him especially when he disagrees with you. You may need to change your mind, as the Pharisees were being challenged to do, but it's, it'll be better for you. You'll be better for it in the end. And don't let self-regard lead you to push yourself and seek honour above others. For God alone 
places us in the places of honour that he chooses in the end. Let's pray. Our Father, set us on guard against self-regard, against excessive self-concern. Help us not to be fragile and always needing reassurance, unable to admit we're wrong, unable to engage with Jesus as he challenges us. Help us rather to be humble, teachable, open and ready to be changed for the good by our encounter with Jesus. Help us also in life not to push and shove and claim position, hope to be seen as the first, but rather help us to come in and be willing to honour others and not seek it for ourselves, to take the lowest place so that when you come and you honour those who you wish to honour, we might be exalted rather than humbled. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.